Hello and welcome to Examination Couch, the new podcast with me, Dr. Henry Richardson Banks. Each episode, a special guest will be joining me on my examination couch to discuss some topics we find interesting in the medical world. As an introduction, I'm currently about to finish the foundation programme, which means I've been practising as a doctor for two years. In that time, I've had the opportunity to work in a wide range of different specialties, from surgery to psychiatry. I haven't always been clinically minded, though. I got my undergraduate degree in cell and systems biology from Oxford. I then went on to study medicine there as well, but I tried to keep a scientific mindset and question why things are done the way they are. That's what led me to start this podcast, and I hope to unpick some of the things I've encountered with my guests. Many of my guests are also doctors and have a wide range of backgrounds, which I hope will help me shed some light on some interesting areas. It's worth mentioning that everything we discuss in this podcast is our own opinion. We're not trying to represent the views of the health service or any other medical bodies. Without any further ado, though, I think it's time to get on with the show. My first guest on the examination couch is Dr Alethea Peters. After graduating with a first in natural sciences from Cambridge, she joined the NHS Graduate Management Training Scheme. During two successful years on the scheme, she decided a more clinical role was right for her and enrolled on the Graduate Entry Medicine Programme at Oxford. A prize-littered career at the university led her to a coveted academic foundation post in Bristol, where she now has two years of research and clinical experience under her belt. Ali, welcome to the programme. Thanks for that slightly embarrassing introduction, Henry. Not it's at a all. pleasure to be it's here. True. Lovely to have you. So today I want to discuss reactions. How over the course of time our responses to what we see in medicine change. I think one of the things I found most interesting is how things you wouldn't see in the street or day-to-day life, surgery, for example, or anaesthetics how it was such a big thing when I started medical school but now I I take it for granted is that something you found yeah completely I remember the first time I had to go and certify that someone had died which is where you basically the nurses say we think someone's died and you the doctor have to come examine them and say yes they have and that's the official Mm, time of death mm. you put on the death certificate um I remember the first time I did that was really strange and it was this moment when you're like this is the first time in my life that I've been here with a dead body and it's just me Mm. and them in this room um but then actually as you do it more and more it just becomes one of these routine things that you do um and it's strange to look back and think wow this would be such an unusual experience for most people just to come across people who've died all the time but for you it just becomes one of your usual things you do every day and you still always i still always try to have some kind of or hmm, I don't know the best way to describe it, but to to sort of still signify it as a as a moment, so it doesn't become so routine. But mm. you do just find that it's something sort of normal that you have to do. Yeah, when I first did it, I never thought it would become routine. Yeah, this is such a significant thing. I think it's the nature of the job being busy. But now I certainly have a much more brisk business like approach to it, which feels on ref- like reflecting these moments cold. Yeah, but when you have got three of them to do and you're doing other things you're just like well it's part of the job so it's it's weird how things like that change isn't it do you think 
Oh, do you think that makes you a worse person? I don't, I don't know. I think in an ideal world, you'd love to have the time and energy to really consider what exactly this signifies every time and really think about it. But I think the reality of the job is that you're busy and you're you're working pretty hard and sometimes you can't give mm. things all the energy mm. you would. And that actually, I think there's a part of defence mechanism that mm-hmm. you develop in medicine that that portrays into the sort of humour that doctors seem to have, which some people think is kind of quite dark and morbid, is a kind of, it's just actually a defence mechanism to being like... Yeah. You can't emotionally and empathise with every single thing, otherwise you'd You're be right. completely burnt out. Yeah, by yeah, it. exactly. And you you have to treat it a bit more like a job in a way, in a jobs list. Mm-hmm. If you considered that much detail, everything you did, you never get anything done because there's just the, the significance of what you seem you're doing in each task. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It can be a defence mechanism. And I mentioned earlier anaesthetics, and it has a similar. Well, for me, it has a similar oddity that. For us, people get put to sleep. Oh, I work on surgery right now. Mm-hmm. People being put to sleep for an operation, it's just part and parcel of the job now. Yeah, patients asleep, theatre, go ahead, get on with the operation. And just how significant it is that someone's actually been given drugs to make them unconscious and move them around onto, you know, onto the bed, get them in the right position, you know, examine them and perform operation. It must be totally bizarre for patients, but I treat it as such a common routine thing routine. Now. yeah absolutely and if you think for some people this might be the first time in their whole life they've experienced anything like that yeah yeah and that the scary moment of being like i'm about to go to sleep and the chance of me not waking up are very low but God, but it like that that could be it yeah. that could be your last conscious moment on earth so. seeing the bright sort of nhs fluorescent lights are fading away and yeah. at least his face sort of have you had an anaesthetic before yeah so i had surgery on my knee about 10 years ago mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, I knew I was 20 at the time or something. And so I was fit and healthy and it was a simple kind of knee operation. So I wasn't completely terrified, but it was a really strange experience as you sort of drifted away. Do you think that's changed how you see anaesthetics at all? It was definitely that whole experience around that was one of the reasons that motivated me to initially work for the NHS and then contributed to sort of how I've then ended up becoming a doctor fine yeah I think I think it's almost good that you've had it because I've never had anything like that uh-huh. so at least you've got one foot in the patient's corner where you say yeah. oh this is actually quite a significant moment um but yeah it's, it's easy to be a bit blasé almost isn't it and just say, take it as oh just another another day Absolutely. in the office let's let's keep moving through and leading on from that surgery as well yeah we if you think about what we do to patients in the operating theatre it's like it's battery or assault isn't mm-hmm. it but it's it's a legal form of it because they want they ask us to do it, we get paid to do it, and they sign a consent form. But totally bizarre. Imagine seeing someone's intestines in any other situation; it would be traumatic, wouldn't it? Completely. But you just see them in theatre now, and I've I've been helping quite a few operations. I'm just like, yeah, used to holding the bowel. How bizarre! Watching it moving stuff along, peristalsing, yeah. It is a mad job. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I find that when they have the uh, laparoscopes and you've got the camera inside, you have a little look around, like liver heart. (laughs) Obviously, the heart beating, lungs. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
but I think it's a privilege as well, isn't it? Because you get to see these things. Absolutely. Really interesting. Really and I think interesting. it ties into, we're talking about it becoming very routine, but probably that's also one of the things that is reassuring as a patient is that people mm. aren't appearing like this is some big terrifying deal. It's like, no, this is completely routine. We do this all the time. And that's actually something that can help you feel more trusting. And it allows you to know. focus on management, for example, mm. that I'm not every time I look in and think, goodness, there's the bowel. I now think, oh, they, I can specialise further and each, mm. each step becomes more um, more normalised. Mm-hmm. So, that, so that's all right. And I think, do you think there are instances where it goes the other way, though? that this normalisation doesn't um, doesn't help patients, whereas the opposite. I think if you become so completely desensitised to it that you lose your ability to see this situation from their perspective, yeah. then that becomes a problem. Yeah. Because yeah. this is often a time when people are really frightened, they're out of control... And for some people, that's the first time in their life that they're really in this position. Yeah. Um, and then I think that means that sometimes people respond very differently. Yeah. Um, I remember looking after a patient on intensive care who was attached to absolutely loads of lines, had drains in because they'd had a big operation on their abdomen. Um, and they, he really wanted to stand up because he had restless legs. Yeah. And we were kept being like, it's really not a good idea. You're attached to lots of drains. It's the middle of the night. I really just want you to go to sleep. But he was really insistent that he wanted to stand up. And I think part of that for him was about regaining some sense of control, mm. was my interpretation. Because yeah. I think, especially in intensive care settings, you are so out of control. You're completely monitored, attached to so many drips, monitors. Sort of everything that's coming in, out of you, everything you're doing is mm. being recorded all the time. Um so I think it's important to maintain a sense of perspective because it helps you kind of understand people's behaviour. Um, so yeah, I think that's a really good example. And I was thinking how so that's a sort of a personal level. How just something if you just if you forget that they've got needs and desires beyond what your needs are, they're like, but we want to maximise their urine output. And yeah. They're like, no, I just want to stand up. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's just try and reconcile things. But on, then on the system wide level. It can get well out of hand. I was thinking about the South Staffs. The Mid Staffs. Mid Staffs, sorry. Mid mm-hmm. Staffs uh, inquiry and the, some of the... Have you have you read about that? Uh, a little bit, yeah. My and how said. that brought up failings of the system, which from what it sounded like was when people started to stop seeing patients as patients, but more just... Well, almost le- a bit less than, less human because it made their job easier because they were under massive pressures. Absolutely. And I think, I think that um, if... If you're seeing people suffering and you can't do anything about it, then that makes you feel really, really terrible. And then your defence mechanism, I think, if you carry on having to do those things, knowing that you can't help these people to the best of your ability, the only way psychologically you can deal with it, either you've got to leave Mm. or if you're going to continue, you've almost got to stop caring in order to carry on functioning, Mm. Um, which is obviously incredibly sad. And... I don't feel anyone anyone goes into work wanting to do a bad job or or yeah. cause harm, you know, cause harm or discomfort to other people. I think they had a, particularly the nursing staff were under huge pressure, weren't they, in that yeah. environment? And something's got to give in some ways. And if they, if they, from above and below, they, they've got to. And obviously, it was a terrible outcome. Mm-hmm. But I think that you're right that as a defence mechanism, they had to sort of shut down slightly because they they couldn't survive otherwise. Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, bad situation obviously 
I think everyone knows similar patients sometimes who they've struggled with. Some some patients who have um, non-organic kind of causes of their disease, sometimes mm-hmm. people really struggle with because almost feel like, I, I want to be able to solve this, but I can't can't give you a clear solution that I can see and treat and kind of get you out again. And I think that probably for a lot of doctors, they don't recognise at the time is is might be why they're frustrated by it because they want to help, but they, they haven't got the tools and they Absolutely. suddenly can't and you're like come up against something that you can't do anything with. So it, again, your defence almost that is just to be frustration. Oh, well, it's, it's, yeah, it's just it's irritating. It's their fault. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. This is not me anymore. I've tried my best, did what I could. No, I, I can't do anything. So what do you expect me to do? Yeah, yeah, really interesting. Really interesting. Yeah. Okay, so joining all that together, what are our conclusions from what we've discussed? I think one is perhaps how quickly we became desensitised to things that you thought you never would. So the presence of dead bodies or some of the surgeries you see that become totally routine. Mm. Um, You see how uh, how quickly that happens. Yeah, I think that happens faster than you might expect. And particularly having how serious it was when I first saw a dead body, I thought surely I'll never this will never be normalised. Yeah, yeah. absolutely understood. Um, And I think. There are disadvantages to that if you take it too far and that stops you being able to empathise with Mm -hmm. patients and do your best for them in that way. I agree. But actually it can also be a positive in terms of, one, it's how you're going to emotionally cope with quite a busy and strenuous job. Um, But also it sort of provides a sense of routine could possibly be reassuring for patients. Thank you for summing that up so well, Ali. I I think you've highlighted an area that probably a lot of doctors can actually relate to. For now, I think that's all we've got time for. Thank you very much, Ali, for joining me on my examination couch today. No worries. Thanks for having me. Today, you've been listening to Examination Couch. It was hosted by me, Dr Henry Richardson-Banks, and my guest was Dr Alafia Peters. Thank you for tuning in, and I do hope you join me next time. Until then, bye-bye.